0: Well, I missed you last Wednesday night. I was uh, up in Tifton, Georgia, and of course my son Tim was able to speak and did a magnificent job. It's always good to have powerhouse preachers like we have here at Victory Church. Uh, Tim and Jeff and Greg and, and others who just do a masterful, masterful job. Uh, tonight's message, I'm calling it Stay Focused. Now, gather your family around and just... Pay attention, no matter if you're looking on your iPhone and you're in your living room or wherever you're at, in your kitchen, maybe your bedroom, maybe at your office and you're working a little late. We have some lessons to learn, I think, from the Apostle Paul who knew what it was to go from peace to a great challenge just almost overnight. He writes in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, verse number two, this, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. He's sending an alarm. Now, if you look at 1 Thessalonians, he's uh, talking to them about the resurrection and the beauty of the resurrection and and it's a great, great day. And even says, First Thessalonians 5:26, greet one another with a holy kiss. But after that, it wasn't long that that second letter followed up, not long at all. And it was a totally different letter. Why? Because the reality is there were individuals trying to create chaos, individuals trying to create uh, unrest, individuals trying to create all against the church, everything against the church. In other words, the devil could not stop the church in Acts, the second chapter. So ever since then, he's tried to disturb it or destroy it or create anxiety among it. And and in Paul's day, the church is beginning to grow. They're trying to find their footing. And the great apostle Paul, that God gave a miraculous change of heart through the power of redemption, comes to the rescue, and he talks to them. Now listen, friend. God is not intimidated when Satan attacks you and me. God's not intimidated by that. And why is that? Because when challenge hits us, and when our world is rocked, here's what God knows, that either there will be a falling away, or we'll get stronger. For those, of course, that are really committed to God, no matter what happens, they're going to draw close. But those that are on the fringe and really aren't committed to the program, what will happen to them is they'll fall away. And the Bible speaks in the last days there will be a sifting. So when you look at circumstances around you, kind of take a look and say, God, this is an opportunity for me to draw closer. Never let the enemy move in on you. To try to cause you to push away. For that to happen, you're going to have to stay committed no matter what happens and say, My goal is to bring favor to the name of Almighty God. Well, Beth Andegiatis, Beth Andegiatis wanted to, uh, to get into the Olympic trials. And for that to happen, she was a runner. And if you're a woman in that day, you had to run 26 miles. 385 yards, and you had to do it in two hours and 45 minutes. Two hours and 45 minutes, 26 miles, 385 yards. Well, she started out, started out really good. I mean, 23 miles, she's right on pace and and doing well. But when she reached that 23rd mile, something happened to her. She, She began to faint, as a matter of fact, she fell down. When she fell down, it skinned her knee a little bit, and she is uh, tremendously exhausted. But what she hears from those who are on the sidelines, they say, get up, get up. The clock's ticking, get up, and then get up. And then she did, of course, got on her feet, and she began to walk. She only had a few yards before, as a matter of fact, she had about five yards before she fell again. Wow, five yards, 10 seconds to go. The crowd began to cheer her own. She couldn't get on her feet, but she got on her hands and knees. And she began to crawl as hard as she could, as quickly as she could. She crossed the finish line, two hours, 44 minutes, and 57 seconds. Three seconds left. Sometimes in challenge We have to learn to give it more than just a second effort. We have to learn to give it more sometimes in our life than that second chance, third chance. It's just like forgiveness. There is no limit to the number of times that we are to forgive one another. And a forgiving spirit will always serve a follower of Jesus Christ well. And you know what? Revelation tells us about believers in the the New Testament Individuals who served those out of the Old Testament, here's what he said in Revelation 12, he said they overcame him, the him meaning the powers of darkness by the blood of the lamb, that was Jesus Christ and his commitment to us, and the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. This runner, she didn't decide to say, I can't make it. I'm not good enough. This will happen again when I'm out here really running in the Olympic. No siree. She thought, as long as I can crawl, I'm going to crawl. And that is the kind of determination that we have to have. Paul said, here's my motivating force in Acts, the fourth chapter, verse number 20. He said, what's happened to me? my relationship with God, as good as God has been to me in my conversion, he said, I can't help but speak about what I have seen and what I've heard. He said, I just can't be quiet. I can't wake up one morning and decide I'm really going to get out there and go and another decide and not today. So let me give you just a few points. Here we go. Number one, God knows about today. Say that with me. Here we go. Say it at home if you can. God knows about today. Oh yes, he does. You got a text to buoy you up. Here it is, 2 Thessalonians 2:13. 2, but we ought to always always, we ought to always thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. This is what Paul's saying to them. He said, this church, in his missionary travels to the church at Thessalonica, you have always been a blessing to me. You have always helped me. I want to praise you, I want to thank you, and I want to let you know how much. He says, but listen to me, from the very beginning of time, though you did not understand it, from the very beginning God chose you to be saved. He just sent me, the Apostle Paul, as an instrument. He, among other things, is stating that God is aware of what you're going through, church. He's aware of the lies. He's aware of the bombardment of half-truths. He's aware of all of that. But from the beginning, he said he would sustain you, so don't give up. He declares that God is omniscient, meaning God knows everything from the past and the present. I got a couple of scriptures that you'll want to write down. Here it is, Psalms 147 verse number 5. How great he is. Talking about the Lord, his power is absolute, his understanding is unlimited. How great he is. How absolute is his power? And not only that, his understanding, he understands people say many times to individuals they have rela- they just don't understand or you just don't understand. Listen, there will never be a misunderstanding in the mind of God. God understands. Here's another Proverbs 15 verse number 11. the depths of hell are open to God's knowledge. He even knows what's happening in hell. How much more the hearts, of all mankind, all mankind. So he knows what went on today. He knows what's in your brain, what's troubling you, what's in your heart. He sees your joy. He sees your fulfillment. Isaiah forty-six, number uh, verse number ten, says, "Declaring the end from the beginning." I like that. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, say, "My purpose will be established." And I will accomplish all my good pleasure. This is God. This is speaking 700 plus years before Jesus ever came into the play. He said, My will and my good pleasure will be done. He's talking to the church at Thessalonica. Listen, guys, I didn't just show up yesterday, I, did, I, did, I was already aware of what was going to happen. You see, he said, His plan, God's plan works, don't miss this, from creation. To Revelation from the beginning to the end his timing is perfect if you know the prophecies out of scripture the Old Testament prophecy the prophecy of his birth and death was prophesied to the day to the day that it took place to the time of his grave and where that would be to the time of his ascension as we see in Acts 1. The timing when he appeared to Moses out of a bush that would not burn out. God knew the exact timing. To the timing that we, that God had to have a whale well ready for Jonah. At the perfect time he went overboard, God had summoned a whale to take care of old Jonah. Wow, when you stop for a moment and you push aside all the junk that bombards you, Often what you're seeing on television, what you hear, what you read, I want you to know it's wonderful to understand that not one minute of your life that God is not aware about it. His knowledge is accurate. For example, Ananias and Sapphira, you remember Acts 5? They thought they'd kind of sneak up on Peter and, uh, and not do what they were supposed to do. And Peter, of course, when they stood acting as if, that they were doing a great thing and wanting a little praise from Peter. Peter just rebuked them because God revealed to him, hey, you guys, you're not being honest. Not only that, when Ananias, when Saul, which was Paul, Saul was, of course, on his way and Paul was blind. And God said, I want you to go to a place called where Ananias is. He'll be prepared for you. God spoke to Ananias and said, be prepared because Saul is coming. God knew that moment. You see, he knows every word out of your mouth, and we understand that. Every word out of your mouth. So if he knows every word out of your mouth, what are you worried about? What are you challenged about? What is it that can get you to the degree that drags you into conflict and depression but what God does not know about? He knows exactly what you're feeling right now. I was watching. Uh, on Facebook, and somebody, I said, tell, tell me where you're at, and people from Delaware, Fred from Canada, and, and then uh, so, somebody else said, from my recliner, you know. Others said, from the beach, et cetera. Well, no, it, 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 God doesn't, doesn't care where you're at right now. He will care next week when we're having church again, I promise you. But listen carefully. He is so consumed with you and how you feel and what your challenges are he has the power to move mountains and to say to you if you believe the best is yet to come i'm reminded of the old preacher he went to the house the lady was dying she was quite elderly and of course the preacher got there everybody thought would well, preacher go up and speak with her but you could barely hear her voice and he walked up to her and he gave the Common pleasantry and sister, God bless. He could hardly hear, and she reached and kind of pulled on his collar and pulled him down, and she whispered something in his ear. He said, "Yes, ma'am, I will do that." And shortly thereafter, she passed away. Went on to be in the presence of the Lord. A few days later, he's having having the funeral because COVID nineteen was not present, so they had the funeral, and uh, he got up to preach, and the casket was open, and Everybody noticed when they passed by that that the elderly lady had a spoon in her hand and thought, What's the buzz? What's that spoon for? He said, Some of you notice, I know the spoon and I've heard you talking about it. And said, Right before she died, she asked me to put that spoon in her hand. And she asked me to explain to you why that she did that. He said, So here it is. When she was a little girl and growing up, several children. They'd have their meal and get ready to clean, uh, clean off the table. Said, when mom had a great dessert available and ready, she would often say when we started cleaning the table off, hey, kids, keep your spoon because something good is on its way. And she said, we knew, buddy. We grabbed that spoon and we held on to it. And it might be a peach cobbler. It might be cake. it always something that we really enjoyed together. And she said, we knew. When she said, keep the spoon, because something better is on the way, we believed her. He said, what she wanted you to know, the audience is there, that no matter what you're facing, no matter what challenges you're going through, God knows your day, but He wants to tell you something. Trust Him, for the best is yet to come. Be prepared. And number two, hold on to what you know. How many of you know people that are considered to be know-it-alls? Huh? They know everything. I mean, they think they know everything. The reality is, they don't know everything. And sometimes we can get confused. I remembered of a high school graduating class of about 45 or 50, and uh, they're, they're graduating, 49 of them uh, were going to graduate. One wasn't able to graduate, it didn't quite make the mark, and the principal got up and they're ready to start the graduation exercise, and the 49 Some of you won't get this. I told it before. The 49, 49 said, let Josh graduate. Let Josh graduate. Let Josh graduate. Principal got up, walked to the podium. He said, Josh, come here. Josh, I have five marbles in this hand and five marbles in this hand. If you get this right, you get to graduate. Josh looked okay. He's got five marbles here and five marbles here. He said, sir, sir. That's 10 marbles. And the class, the 49, said, give Josh a second chance. Give Josh a second chance. The reality is, the 49, they apparently did not know the answer. And I thought, wow, that's really something. Old Josh knew it. But the rest of the class didn't know it. And they're ready to graduate. Sometimes you think you know and you really don't. But here's what I know that I know that I know. God knows everything. You want to say amen out there? Yeah. Hold on to what you know. 2 Thessalonians 2. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Paul is disturbed. He's stoked. And the reason is that there are some people posing and sending letters under his signature. And to make it legitimate, they're posing as, as if they are the Apostle Paul. And what they're doing by the letter of the Apostle Paul, they're saying there's confusion over the coming of the Lord. They're saying, he's already come and you guys missed it. Confusion over their suffering. Confusion, of course, over false doctrine. And when that happened, Paul said, I want to tell you the truth. What they're saying is not true. So often when we're weak, and we don't exactly have a handle on everything, and we don't exactly know what to do or what to trust, in the midst of several trials, we'll get a little shaky. We get shaky when it just keeps coming. And when that happens, we begin to question our faith a little bit. We begin to question God's plan. God, I thought you knew everything. We become spiritually insecure. We let fear begin to grip us. God, is is this ever going to be over? You've said it, many of you. In the COVID-19, you've said it recently. You think this will ever be over? Absolutely, it will be over. That's the good news. But here's the bad news. There will be something else that will come along to shake your cage, friend. And we look at the natural when our faith is shaken instead of depending on the supernatural, and we begin to react to circumstances instead of pursuing God. You remember I said a moment ago, if we'll get in the Word as much as we listen to what the reports are on television, I'm telling you, it will boot you up in the power of faith. So what does the proverb say? Well, Solomon 4, above all else, guard your heart, It's the wellspring of life. Don't let them shake your heart. Put away perverse conversation from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only that which is firm and do not. Swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. What did he say? Stand firm. Say that with me. Stand firm. First Peter 5, 9 says, resist him standing firm in my faith. Standing firm in my faith. He means this. Don't give ground that God has allowed you to conquer back to the devil. Don't give ground that God has allowed you to conquer back to the devil. Don't open the door for Satan to bring compromise in. Remember, he's already defeated, and he is, in fact, conquered. And then hold to the truth. Know the truth. Your faith must cling to it. Your heart, your mind, your, your tongue has to declare it. Jeremiah cried out, in Jeremiah 23, verse 29, It's is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces. Paul said, let me tell you what I think. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles. He knew That if the church would stand, he knew that if the family would stand, he knew that if the young person would stand, if the young adult would stand and just keep their faith in God, he said, I know where you're at, and I want to remind you of what you know. Your God has never failed. You need employment? Go to the number one employment agency anywhere it is to God. You need a financial miracle? Go to the one who owns the bank and everything on it. You need wisdom? Call out for Him every day and He'll give you wisdom. Sometimes you have to wait on it. And then finally, God comforts busy people. I like that. He comforts busy people. You say, Well, I'm busy. That's always a relative term, you know, being busy. There's some people that maybe you know that they're being busy as to make two calls in the morning and two in the afternoon. You're being busy as you made 30 calls in the morning, you made 35 calls in the afternoon. It's a relative term, but here's what I know. God comforts busy people. 2 Thessalonians 2.12, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and work. Encourage your heart. Encourage heart your heart so Paul says I want to share something that is important in other words he said God is aware of the adversity he knows perfect timing so be patient when you're praying he said he's not going to allow you to be defeated and his word is going to give you guidance keep your focus bring the fulfillment of God's will to pass in your life by looking straight ahead. Some people ask me, how you doing today? You know, what's going on? I said, straight ahead. Not looking to the right, not looking to the left. I'm straight ahead. I'm hanging in there. Paul knew that if Satan could isolate any one member away from the Word of God, he could potentially defeat them. So this church, as we find in the 2 Thessalonians, if he could separate them, he would simply ostracize them, get them away from the Word, get them away from fellowship, get them away from meaningful opportunity to express one another. He knew if they could do that, he could, he could just move them aside. You see, when we become idle, we have to stay busy. When we become idle in God's work, we become a sitting target for Satan's influence. That's why we come to church. That's why we leave our homes and we come to church. That's why we engage in evangelism. That's why we enroll in ministry. That's why we do small groups. That's why we do Dream Center. That's why we support missions. We keep busy. Why? Because idleness is the devil's workshop. And as long as you're busy, God is using your mind and your spirit and your heart so that the enemy does not have an opportunity to be able to get in your spirit and to bring discouragement to you. You see, if you let that happen, you'll have a defeatist spirit. You'll accept the mundane as usual in your life. You'll lose creative vision, and you'll begin to live like a loser. You see, the greatest cheerleader of your spiritual man ought to be you. And that, that touch of God for the anointing comes out of prayer. Sharon and I... Times of prayer, seven fourteen. Sometimes it's eight ten, and whatever the case. But you know, as we, we do that and we pray, we, we kind of add to it. And uh, I'll lead out on a chorus after we prayed, and you know, a chorus that we know together, and and just sing. And then we'll go to another one, and and then sometimes we we'll, we'll say, as we've done before, whatever the last few words of that song is. It ought to be the first few words of a new song, so let's do that. And what are you doing? You're creating your own worship experience to encourage yourself that you don't get down for the enemy to pick you off. Winston Churchill in his first speech to the House of Commons three days after becoming Prime Minister it was the beginning of World War II. Can you imagine that? Saddled up Being the Prime Minister and then World War II starts. Well, it had been brewing for a while. They knew eventually they're going to come to war. You the U.S. is trying to figure out what they want to do at that time. And he stands and squares off to the House of Commons. House of Commons, when you give a speech, often they had an opportunity to come back at you. He squares himself. And he said, I have nothing to offer but blood. Toil, tears, and sweat. He said, we have as a nation an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months and struggles and suffering. It's called war. You ask what our policy is. He said, here it is. I can say it is to wage war by sea by land, by air, and with all of our might and with all of our strength that God can give us to wage war on this monstrous tyranny that is surpassing in the darkness. What is our policy, he said. You ask, what is your aim? I can tell you in one word. It's victory Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory, however long it takes and how hard it might be, we will achieve and our aim is victory. Then he says, let us realize no survival for the British Empire if we do not have victory. No survival for all of the British Empire that it's ever stood for unless we achieve our aim. And that is victory. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So we have a responsibility. You see, we're on this journey together. Life is beginning to build up. Culture, activity, business is building up. Oh, yeah, we've got some very serious problems. But if we stay focused on what God has called us to do, We stay in this book, and we stay faithful to our devotion, and we stay faithful to our worship. If we encourage one another, instead of becoming an island unto ourselves, here's what God will do. He'll give us great victory beyond anything we could ever imagine. And whatever you might be going through now, God was aware of it long before you knew about it. So I pray that as we pray now, you'll be prepared to just let God do a miracle in your life. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe maybe there's sin in your life, and you know it, and you feel guilty. We're going to talk about guilt on Sunday morning. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads if you can, and if you're able to repeat the prayer out loud, do that or just say it in your heart. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I thank you because I know that you are the King of kings. I thank you because I know you are my Redeemer. You are the one who helps me survive. You are my food and my meat. You are my courage. You are my encourager. You are my King. And I come before you and I humble my heart and I say to you, Jesus, I am sorry i messed up i took the wrong course of action i made a mistake i retreated and father god i knew it when i did it but i thank you for your grace so would you please forgive me would you let me stand strong would you let me be more prayerful than i am vocal Would you let me be careful when I share an opinion to be certain that it's been scrutinized by the Holy Spirit? Lord Jesus, do what I cannot do. I believe by faith I am now forgiven. And I'm trusting you for the peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to take a few more minutes. We're just going to worship. So just stay with us and we'll be wrapping it up in just a minute. I love you, everybody. I will see you Sunday morning. God bless. I am chosen, not for sale. for joining us tonight. We can't wait to see your face in the place on Sunday morning or if you're joining us online. God bless you. Have a great night.